Like, we're continuing today with our Sing series. And today I'm going to be talking about singing with the local church. And boy, have I learned a lot about this topic as I've been preparing for it. And even calling it a topic somehow gives it a sense of injustice. It's not a topic. It's a passion. It's a truth. And it's a way of life. And I'm so excited about singing with you guys, singing with the local church as a result. And it's my prayer and it's my hope this morning that you guys will too be excited about gathering together with us every Sunday morning and singing as the body of believers, as the body of Christ, singing with the local church. So let's pray and let's ask God to help us engage with him and who he is. Father God, I thank you that you are so exciting. I thank you that you're exciting to engage with, that you're exciting to learn about. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you always come and open up our hearts to Jesus and open up our hearts to the Father. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you help me? And would you help all of us to engage with God and who he is? In your glorious and mighty name, amen. Amen. Asaph, if I said the name Asaph to you, who would you think of? Someone with symbols, super duper. What do you think of? Well, this morning, and if you're anything like me, before this summer, you might not have heard of Asaph. I'll be honest with you, I hadn't heard of him, despite him being splattered in numerous places in the Bible. And this morning, we're going to be using Asaph as a platform and as a springboard to help us learn about singing and the local church. And so this is Asaph hopefully. There we go. He's got a great beard. Obviously, this is a cartoon uh, version of him. Um, And this is a modern-day Asaph. Ah. (laughs) Also a great beard. And there's more than one Asaph. He's a little bit dark there, isn't it? Um, There's more than one Asaph in the Bible, but the Asaph we are looking at today is one of the worship leaders in the time of David and Solomon. And you can read all about him in Chronicles. And I don't have time today to read all of one and two Chronicles. So I'll be diving in and out of Asaph's story and legacy, and then applying that to the context of singing in local church. And the Bible first introduces Asaph as a cymbal player, like Ken said. And it was that he was a cymbal player in a parade. And it wasn't just any old parade. It was the procession for the Ark of the Covenant. King David was on the throne And he had literally just conquered Jerusalem. And he'd put up the tabernacle, the place where the people of God are to meet. And King David wanted the Ark of the Covenant to reside there. So he sent off his people to go and get the Ark of the Covenant and bring it back to Jerusalem. And there was a massive, joyful celebration, a massive parade of worship leaders and musicians. And Asaph, he was there faithfully and joyfully playing his symbol. King David recognised something in Asaph at that parade and as a result called him to serve God's people by being the chief musician, basically the guy who was in charge of worship. David called him to sing and to gather, to gather others to sing. The Bible refers not only to Asaph but also the sons of Asaph. 
And we don't know if they were the literal sons born of Asaph and his descendants, or they were literally guys who were discipled and mentored by him. But what we do know is Asaph or his sons wrote 12 Psalms. Psalm 50 and then 73 through to 83. And amazingly, Asaph's name literally means he who gathers together. This man loved singing with God's people. And he loved gathering people together to sing and worship God. Asaph was called by David, but ultimately by God to the service of singing for the good of his people. The greater David calls us. Jesus is the greater David, the saviour and king of the world. He calls us to gather together to sing. So not just Chris or the worship leader that morning like Lauren or Fran, but all of us. Jesus calls us. All of us, the body of believers, the local church, to the service of singing. We are all called to serve one another on a Sunday morning through singing. And Paul repeats this instruction in, to the church in Colossae. In Colossians 3, verse 14 to 16, it says, and it should come up on the screen behind me, Above all these put on love. Well, why is he saying above all these? Well, this verse is in the context of Paul instructing the believers in Colossae how to behave, to forgive one another, to walk in humility, to walk in harmony. And then he says here, above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you are indeed called in one body. And be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How do you let it dwell in you richly? Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Like I said earlier, we'll be continuing to use Asaph as an example and as our springboard into learning about singing together as the local body. And for those of you who like to take notes, there's going to be three areas that we're looking at this morning. Number one, the benefits of singing together. Number two, what it should look like when we sing together. And number three, O oh church, arise. So let's start with number one, the benefits of singing together. When we sing together, the power of God is unleashed. And as a result, it builds unity between us. There is something powerful when a body of people gather together to sing whether it's at a sporting event or whether it's at a magnificent concert or whether it's at a festival, singing together makes everyone feel like they're a part of something. It makes everyone feel like they belong. And how awesome some of those events are. How awesome it is to stand in a stadium and cheer your team on and feel like you're a part of it. But what we do on a Sunday morning is actually much more significant than that. It's much greater. As we sing on a Sunday morning, we're stepping into the shoes of our spiritual ancestors. God's people have done this for centuries, and we will continue to do it throughout all eternity. Just like Asaph and all the people he gathered, our Sunday mornings, when we meet, when the body meet, we are singing in unison. 
with one heart, with one passion, for one reason only, for him, the one, for the one who made all this possible by changing our lives and adopting us into his family through the blood he shed on the cross. When we meet together, we are singing to the one, through the one, and for the one. When we are singing, we have a tiny glimpse of what eternity will look like when every tribe, nation, class and race will stand together, united in one voice and sing, worthy is the Lamb. We sing as one people, with one common goal, with one common delight, with one heart. We sing not because of our own personal tastes in music or because we share the same language or even the same postcodes. We sing because of Jesus. And singing together makes us feel like we belong as we already do belong. Every nation, every tribe and every tongue has a place in God's united family. And singing together reminds us of that truth. Not only does it remind us that we belong, it penetrates truth into our hearts. Going back to Asaph, he sung and wrote psalms that reminded God's people of truth. The truth of who God was and is and who he always will be but also by what God has done. Psalm 81, a psalm written by Asaph, or a son of Asaph, reminds the people of God about him, about God delivering them out of slavery in Egypt. We are to sing songs reminding us that we have been delivered from slavery. God has set us free from the slavery of sin. He has delivered us from darkness and placed us into a kingdom of light. Singing songs as the body of believers shapes our theology. Our doctrine finds expression in corporate praise. Through singing praise, solid truth gets burrowed deep within our own hearts. It gets into our guts. It gets into our DNA. Singing truth writes it on our hearts. And I'll be honest with you here. There have been times in my life where I've actually been overwhelmed with grief and sadness, I've actually found it difficult to sing on a Sunday morning with you, especially during my walk with infertility. I found it really hard to sing. But with tears running down my face, you guys have compelled me to sing. You guys have wooed me, if you like, to sing. You guys have moved me to sing. You made me remember. You penetrated truth into my heart. We are literally discipling one another on a Sunday morning when we sing and when we disciple one another with our spiritual songs. Whether that's someone singing a song from their own heart or it's singing an old hymn from times gone by or a modern day worship song or someone's reading out a psalm from the Bible, we're taking God's truth, the word of God, and presenting it in digestible chunks. We disciple one another. Thus, we make disciples like the sons of Asaph. We are the sons of new community. For years, we have discipled one another through singing. When we sing together, it unleashes the power and the presence of God. Let's go back to the story of Asaph. 
David had called him to the service in the tabernacle. And now fast forward a few years. The temple has been built and David's son Solomon is on the throne. And because Solomon had seen how faithfully Asaph had served the people of God, Solomon had now appointed him in the temple to sing. And once the sons of Asaph and all the people of God were worshipping and the glory of God filled the whole temple. And it says in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 5, verse 13 to 14, the trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals and other instruments, the singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang. He is good. His love endures forever. Remember that line. His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the clouds and the priests could not perform their services because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Singing together can unleash the power and presence of God. Can you imagine a Sunday morning where we couldn't hop up to give the notices? I would love that. That would be absolutely awesome. It says the priests of God couldn't perform their services. Could you imagine that the power and the presence of God was so strong that we couldn't get up to give the notices? That would be, that would be awesome. Asaph and his sons, his disciples, are often referred to as seers throughout the Bible. A seer is a person who sees. It's another name for a prophet. When we sing together, we encourage one another to focus on God, to hear his voice, to engage with his presence. And as a result, God can give us prophetic words. Now, there are many more benefits we have when we sing together. We've just scraped the surface. But for a quick recap, the benefits of singing together. One, we are united. We are bound together for one purpose. Two, we borrow the truth into each other's hearts. We disciple one number. Three, we encourage ourselves and each other to engage with God and with his presence, with his voice. And people can prophesy and as a result can drive us forward on mission together. Let's move on to the second point. What should it look like when we sing? What's the application? What can we do? I have three little mini points within this section. The first one, the first thing we can do, sing passionately. Sing enthusiastically. Sing for the Lord and no one else. A quote from John Wesley, who was a famous hymn writer, says, Sing lustily and with good courage. Beware singing as if you were half dead or half asleep. I love that. He's basically saying, come on, guys, wake up. Let's, let's praise with all we've got. But lift up your voice with strength. Sometimes we may not feel like doing this, but we sing ourselves into it. It's an act of will. Just like when we forgive someone, it's a choice. Singing passionately is a choice. Sing enthusiastically and sing songs full of good lyrics. God is after men and women that express that in song for the good of their own souls and the good of others. Now that doesn't mean we are false. God allows us to be honest in worship, in sung worship. And this leads me to the second mini application point. Sing honestly. The book of Psalms is filled with lamenting psalms. 
songs for the grieving and the hurting, but also in purgatory psalms, songs that are asking God to bring judgment and calamity on the wicked. And Asaph was honest with God. In one of his psalms, Psalm 73, Asaph sings of his doubts and sings of his annoyance with the arrogant and the envy of the wicked people prospering. Ever had any doubts? Asaph did, and he sung them out. And I can't read it all, but verse 1 to 5 of Psalm 73 says, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He's communicating his doubts. He's saying, but God, you're supposed to be good to those who love you. You're supposed to be good to those who follow you. What are you doing being good to those who are wicked? Why are they prospering? It's not fair. I know I've done that. Anyone else been frustrated with that? For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. And what I love about the rest of this psalm, Asaph does not hold back. He sings of his feelings of frustration about the wicked prospering and getting amazing stuff despite not following the God of Israel. He sings out his feelings honestly. But this psalm ends with this. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. And through the next few verses, Asaph's song goes on to say how the wicked's end would be disastrous. Basically, they may have nice things now, but if they don't start following God, it won't end well. And then Asaph repents. He says, when my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant to you. I was like a beast towards you. Nevertheless, I love that word. Nevertheless, but I'm continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with counsel. And afterwards, you will receive me to glory. Whom am I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. When the Bible uses that word portion, it literally means God is my everything. God is my all in all, my greatest treasure, my greatest desire. Asaph had been honest with God. And by the end of his song, his eyes were firmly fixed on God again and his perspective had changed. He'd remembered that he didn't need the wealth of the world or, or perfect health. He didn't need anything. God was his great delight. And we can be a bit like Asaph sometimes. We can sometimes lose our footing but we sing ourselves round again. This is why I love that song, Christ Alone, Cornerstone. If you like, that's in my spiritual first aid kit. When I'm frustrated or when I'm hurt or when I'm sad that God still hasn't made me a mum yet, especially in that area, this is the song that I sing, Christ Alone, Cornerstone. And a little side note here, I've had a few operations over the past few years and every time I've come round from those operations, I've been singing that song, Christ Alone, Cornerstone. 
And I thought that it was all in my head. I mean, you know when you're coming around and you're a bit dazed after an operation? I thought it was in my head until one day last, uh, was it last year or a couple of years ago? I can't remember. We were in Guy's Hospital and a nurse said to me, it was so lovely to hear you singing as you were coming around. I was singing these songs out loud. Christ alone, cornerstone. That's all I need. So together we should sing passionately, sing honestly. And thirdly, we should sing in a way that passes on the good news. We should sing the gospel. We should sing songs that communicate the truth that we have been saved from our sin that separated us from God, that we have been brought home, that we've been adopted and we placed it into a family. That that is our song. Jesus is our song. The gospel is our song. A church that sings together should make a powerful and attractive statement to those who yearn for community. It says you can belong. You are welcome here. You can come home. You can be adopted. There's a place for you in my father's home. We should sing the gospel in a way that invites people in. And I'm, I've been told Phil will talk more about this next week. And although we sing to invite others in, we also, in our corporate praise, should pass on truth to the next generation. Remember earlier we were learning about Asaph and the sons of Asaph singing, singing and the glory of God and the cloud filled the temple? They sung the song, he is good and what? His love endures forever. Approximately 100 years later after that event, a new king was on the throne. A man called, let's see if I can get this right, Jehoshaphat. And some armies, in fact, it was three different kingdoms were invading and wanting to take over Jerusalem. Three separate enemies on each side surrounded Jerusalem. And it looked pretty bad. To cut a long story short, the whole of Judah gathered together to worship, to sing in one mass prayer and worship meeting. It says young, old men and women and children and even their little ones. I like to imagine it's all of the children from kids' work. The babies, the toddlers, the seven-year-olds, the ten-year-olds, the teenagers, the youth, the older people. Everyone was together before one massive battle. They chose to sing praise and worship rather than make a strategic plan. At the meeting, King Jehoshaphat prayed for protection against the surrounding armies and received a prophetic word from a dude called Jehazahil, Jehazahil, one of the sons of Asaph. <laughs> to summarise, Jehazahil prophesied that Jerusalem would stand firm and God would deliver them because the battle was not theirs but God's. And he prophesied that Israelites would not even need to fight that they didn't have to be afraid because the Lord was with them. The whole of the congregation fell down in worship before the Lord and some of the sons of Asaph stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. They sang. The next day, the people of God got ready to go into battle. King Jehoshaphat anointed the son, appointed the sons of Asaph to sing to the Lord and lead the army out. Let's not gloss over this. The choir led the battle out. I'm not sure about you, but when I was at school, the choir wasn't actually the toughest of people. But the choir led the people out. I would have been like, no, put the warriors at the front. 
the choir led the people out. And they sung, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Do you remember that line? It was a hundred years on since they sung that song of God's enduring love when the glory of God filled the temple. And here they were again, heading out into battle, reminding themselves of truth that God's love endures forever. As John Crossland said last week, we should sing songs we want our children to grow old with. I love that. But it's not just the next generation. It's the generation after that and that and that. What songs will, in a hundred years' time, our descendants of this congregation be singing? This story leads me nicely into my last point. Oh, church, arise. Oh, church, arise. There's actually a song called Oh, Church, Arise, written by a guy called Stuart Townhens, and that was inspired by Ephesians 6 that talks about putting on the armour of God. And here are some of the lyrics. The first two lines of the song say, O church, arise and put your armour on. Hear the call of Christ, our captain. For now the weak can say that they are strong in the strength that God has given. And the last four lines of the next verse say, when faced with trials on every side, we know the outcome is secure and Christ will have the prize for which he died, an inheritance of the nations. And I love that line, when faced with trials on every side, we know the outcome is secure. Like the singing army story, the sons of Asaph led the people to go into battle full of assurance. They were faced with an army on each side. They were faced with trials on every side. Yet they were so confident. Why? Because God had promised through a prophet. We can be completely assured as we work our way through life. Why? Because God has promised that one day we will be with him amongst the nations, with him for all eternity. Singing together prepares us to carry truth into the spiritual battles of life. We can sing in the face of pain, in the face of suffering, in the face of mental strongholds. Basically, we can sing in the patterns of the wrong thinking. We can, we can correct our wrong thinking by singing truth. And we can break the power of sin by singing truth. Together as an army on Sunday morning, we sing truth into spiritual battles, our collective ones our own unique ones, but also each other's ones. Just like the sons of Asaph sung truth of his enduring love, we can sing songs full of truth too. Now the battle ended with Israelites not having to fight at all. The story ends with the three invading armies turning on each other and killing each other by the time the Israelites showed up. The battle was done. Jerusalem was safe. Singing truth in battle can tear up the enemy. Martin Luther once said, music is a gift and grace of God, not an invention of men. This drives out the devil and makes people cheerful. The devil, the originator of sorrowful anxieties and restless troubles, flees before the sounds of music almost as much as before the word of God. Combine the word of God with singing and music It's a spiritual nuclear bomb. Therefore, singing God's word together helps us fix on the armour of God. 
like Ephesians 6 instructs us to do. God's word fortifies our truth. Singing together as an army of Christ is spiritual warfare. We are called to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. When we sing, it is a battle cry of hope for the wounded, for the broken and for the lost. Sing for Jesus. Sing of Jesus, our greatest treasure. Sing yourself strong. Sing the church strong. Show up. Sing up passionately. O church, arise. And before I start my conclusion, it's just two-minute conclusion. I'm just going to invite the, uh, Fran and the, the rest of the guys up. Jesus is our song. When God hears our song, when he hears our singing, he is pleased not because of our beautifully crafted verses or our well-pitched harmonies or even our volume, but because Jesus, when he hears, when Father, when the Father hears us, he hears Jesus. We can come to God the Father because of his Son, because of Jesus, because of his blood, his death and resurrection. We have the seal of the Holy Spirit as our deposit that one day we will stand before him. Jesus is our great high priest. He is our mediator and collectively as his body, we now sing to him, for him and through him. He alone is our song and he will be throughout all eternity. Asaph would have loved this kind of intimacy. He was waiting for the coming saviour. We know him. We are God's royal priesthood. Asaph, although a Levite, was not a priest. We are a royal priesthood. We can sing. Asaph was called to sing by David. We are called by the greater David. Jesus is the greater David and he gives us a mandate. He calls us all to the service of singing, to sing for him, to him and through him, but also to build and strengthen his church. Why? To glorify him, to make much of him, to treasure him as our delight, as his children. We can delight in him and make much of him, experience him as our greatest treasure, as our pearl of great price. And God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And when we sing together, that truth is fortified. We are united and we get a glimpse of eternity, a foretaste of our secured future, that one day we will sing amongst the angels and the nations and sing worthy is the lamb who was slain and his love endures forever when we sing anyone can come it's an invitation in eternity every nation race and class will stand there in the presence of God and his glory shall fill the temple singing builds up the community singing gathers people in. It opens up the gate. It invites the lost and the broken in. It tears down strongholds. It eradicates the lies and the enemies of this world. So church, arise. Sing in the face of your enemies. Sing through pain. Sing in the midst of suffering. Sing to shred up the persistent sin in your life. Sing. Sing for you. Sing for others. Sing for his church. But most of all, sing for him to him and through him, to glorify him, to make much of him, to enjoy him, to treasure him. O church, arise and sing.